1: Hi, everybody, welcome to Following Through the Cracks. Today I'm talking with Amy Block. She has been a practicing child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist for 23 years. Today we're discussing her book, The Power of Heart. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, what inspired you to write this book? Well,
2: just as a little background, um, I am an adult and child psychiatrist and a mother of four kids, and the book, The Power of Heart, When and How to Get Out of Your Brain, is is a culmination of the lessons I've learned from my patients and from my personal crisis in motherhood, and what inspired me largely was this experience um, I had, which I'm happy to go into, um, and how that experience really kind of changed the way I worked with patients, and I wanted to share that with the world. Sure, so let us know what that was. Well, I I talk about how in the book I share how nothing I had ever learned in my training and experience as a physician and psychiatrist could prepare me for the crisis of becoming a mom to a child with a severe intellectual disability. And as much as I knew as fervently as I tried to use the strategies that had helped me through other crises, I was pretty colossally wiped out by this one. Um, I had been a type A brain devotee who thought I could think my way through any situation until I couldn't. Um, And I guess I just wanted to share the specific moment that everything changed for me because that's kind of the beginning of this whole journey. Sure, Um, what
1: what happened?
2: Yeah, so... Emily was born, um, and we had been told, um, and this was a shock to us, that on day two of her birth, that she, on the MRI, had a severe brain, um, congenital brain abnormality, and um, obviously this was completely devastating, and I was thrown into a state of deep grief and fear, And I did what I usually do in any situation, which was to use my brain to research the best ways to help Emily. Um, And so I used a medical model to understand Emily. And I did loads of scientific research on how to fix her deficits. Um, And in the process, I... I was just overanalyzing and overthinking and not sleeping and feeling incredibly frightened um, and spending night after night trying to wave baby Einstein toys in front of her face. Um, And that's the way things went for a long time. Um, But then one night when I was in the basement with Emily doing the same thing late at night, um, and Emily, as usual, was not responding, um, I was suddenly blindsided by a force from within that really took me by surprise. And I call that, that force heart because I just had lost complete touch with my heart and my love for Emily. But suddenly it showed up, and I saw Emily in a whole new light, and heart hit just like that. And this time when I looked at Emily, I didn't see her deficits, um, but I saw her sheer loveliness. And I felt this powerful swell of, of love for her right there in, in the basement. And Emily was exactly how she had been, but something was entirely transformed in me. Um, and it came seemingly out of nowhere, and there it was. And that's when I learned that once you truly love someone, fear disappears. And for the first time, I really knew I could be a great mom to Emily and Emily would be okay, just as she was. Um, and it was really powerful,
1: and it was life-changing. So um, what what do you mean by heart? What did that change inside of you? Oh, heart, as um, I
2: have come to understand it, is obviously something within all of us. We all have a heart. Um, and I don't mean your anatomical heart. I mean... I'm using heart as a metaphor for the heart in our mind um, that we tend to really in our culture underuse and undervalue um, but it's specific regions in our brain um, beyond our problem-solving intellect that we must tap into if we want to be able to love, worry less, be unimaginably brave, have some peace, and know ourselves in a really positive way to be strong, capable, and whole. And generally, I mean, certainly I was raised this way that, you know, your best line of defense is just, you know, your problem solving brain, your thinking brain. Um, but when I became Emily's mom, that problem solving, analyzing, figuring things out part of my brain was not helping because. Emily would always have these deficits, and there was nothing I could do about them. But once I tapped into love, um, I could see her beauty. I could see that it would be okay, and I could see that I could do this. Um, And what happened initially was my view, I can never, my family, Emily, can never be happy again. Um, Because we had this uh, tragedy. And what Hart showed me was, and it turned out to be true, that I could be happy with this unexpected issue. And that people in the beginning of, of, of terrible change really don't see the possibility to be happy again. And that's when Hart steps in and says, no, you can do this. And a lot of unexpected things are going to happen that you can't even imagine.
1: So can, can you give us an example of how this has changed you from that analytical A-type brain-thinking person to somebody who's thinking with their heart?
2: Um, sure. Um, as an example, um, I, I've changed the way I interact with people. Um, if... I have a point of view, and you know, as an intellect, um, I want to just change someone 's mind um, and in that interaction, um, I would go about it brain first because I would use my power of persuasion, but when i 'm just going at it brain first, then a whole uh, A lot of other things um, start to take over as well, and I get caught up in needing to be right, proving the other person to be wrong, um, needing to um, dominate, and getting perhaps caught up in interrupting because I want to be right. Um, And what I've started to learn is that brain just can't choose connection over control. So that brain is interested in winning, and controlling, and um, being certain, um, and that heart is the antidote. You know, brain doesn't have an aptitude for connection. Like, even though I want to change this person's mind, I really like this person, and I want to see this person's perspective. Maybe they have something really valuable to offer me. Maybe I can learn here instead of just being right. Um, So that heart, once you tap into heart, it creates all of these different skills, being able to listen, being fine with being wrong, being able to see another person's value even when you're disagreeing, Um, so that I just became more tapped into those skills as well
1: well the, you know it's I think it's really important that you're saying this because this is something that I, I think is going on everywhere I mean the emergence of social media has changed how we have conversations because they are one-sided so people have their opinion and they're gonna railroad people and you're not actually having that person in front of you so people are now used to just blurting out this is my opinion I'm right you're wrong and not caring how they're hurting people and and it's really important for us to, to to go back from that and and say, you know, there's, there's another opinion, there's another perspective and there's another person involved in the conversations that we're having.
2: Yeah, and um, in two respects. One, hard is what allows you to see the humanity in someone else. Um, you know, when you're just having a conversation over social media, it's just like these two talking heads um, without really... Um, comprehending that there's a human being on the other side of this. And then the other kind of irony here is that brain doesn't really want to learn. Um, Brain without heart, what I mean by that, doesn't really want to learn. Brain just wants to be right. And brain is really afraid of learning because learning means that you're willing to be wrong, that there's something you don't know, and brain is very vain. You know, brain wants to be right. Brain wants to know everything. Brain wants to be certain. So that when you're connecting that part of your brain with heart, um, you're open to learning new things. Instead of something being frightening, something's interesting. Um, so that, that's why we say that in order to learn something, you have to feel safe. You have to feel that you have to be open to being wrong. Um, so that's the irony, that brain without heart is a terrible learner.
1: Um, which is really interesting for you to say that because, you know, I'm sure that if somebody had told you that before your daughter was born, you wouldn't have believed it because you were so analytical and, and working yeah. with brain and, and, and educated. And I'm sure you thought that this was, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong or, or elaborate, but you probably thought this was the way it was. I needed to, to, to use my brain and make decisions in this way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and and brain is, a, a, I mean, it's an amazing <laughs> mechanism and it is an amazing learner when connected with heart. I mean, heart doesn't have a great memory, like, you know, basically in terms of what heart is, you know, I can go into the kind of details and where heart maps on to the mammalian um, cortex and all of that, sure. but,
1: yeah.
2: you know, my... My real sense of heart, heart is what Emily does. And mm-hmm. because Emily can't rely on her brain, um, she lives heart first, and she's incredibly capable. And that was the huge wake-up call. It's like, wow, Emily can do so much despite her limited intelligence. And where are, where are those superpowers coming from? Um, and you know, Emily has tremendous... Emily does, is verbal, and she has tremendous purpose. She knows what he, she wants. She, she lives a life that's really fulfilling. She's 22 now. Um, she's very well connected to people. She has great social intelligence. Um, she laughs. She learns. Um, and, and all of these abilities, in my mind, are coming from the heart in our brain. Um, so we all can tap into those abilities, and we should.
1: Which is important because you're saying. I mean, she's um, disabled, but her life is is completely full. And I'm sure that you know, 22 years ago, when you had the diagnosis, you were afraid that that wasn't going to happen for her. And right. of course, it sounds like she showed showed you up there, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> yes. right? Like. The, yes. the, not, not the case at all. I don't need the things that you think I need because her life is happy and full, and and you know she's um, got got probably has everything that she needs, and and um, you know that's the important part in life as well. I think a lot of people um, are. Um, you know, feeling very isolated and and not fulfilled in life and and perhaps it is because we 're living so much in our heads and and overthinking everything that we do so we find fault in in what we have already
2: mm-hmm. yeah, and I would take it one step further i would I would say that um brain you need heart to be sane, like brain without heart leads to pretty insane living and thinking. As an example, um, you know, in terms of thinking about the future, um, and obviously the future is uncertain, um, brain is, our brain is designed to fear, and that's been adaptive, so that if we don't know, you know, for, for our ancestors, if you don't know what's in the bush, it's better to assume it's a tiger than a butterfly, and then run or attack. Um, but now our brain overreaches so that all future is fear-inducing. So when we don't know what the future is going to hold, the brain has such a negative slant that it just assumes it's bad. And, and that's insane, because the future is just neutral. We don't know. Um, and the most rational way to think about the future is it's new. I don't know. Um, but brain can 't do it because it 's so steeped in fear and in self protection, so the heart is much more neutral about the future. The heart is okay, the heart we don 't know this is new, and that 's the way Emily is about her future. When a beloved teacher left her classroom, and I had to tell her, I was so worried about how Emily would respond and when I explained to her that her teacher was going to leave, and I was so anxious about how she would respond, Emily was like. Oh, okay. Well, that's new. And I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so heart helps the brain
1: stay sane. Mhm. Yeah, she wasn't having that fear and that overthinking that the rest of us would have of what happens right. next and she was like, "Okay, exactly. we've got just something going on." That's interesting. Uh, You know, I think that would change a lot of our our lives. Um, We're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about this more when we get back. We're talking today with Amy Block, and we're discussing her book, The Power of Heart. And we'll be back shortly.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
4: You don't have to live with chronic health conditions, disease, or general discomfort. There are strategies that you can apply to improve the outcome of your personal health. Tune in to Tom Mantos, Speaking of Nutrition, with host Tom Mantos and co-host Fred Fornicola. Each week, we'll cover some of the most asked about health concerns and what you can do today to enjoy better health tomorrow. From diabetes to heart health, cancer to children's health, we have you covered. Check out new episodes weekly on Voice America Health & Wellness.
5: Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent
6: when a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson, breast cancer survivor and advocate. She helps by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, on the Voice of America Health and Wellness Channel.
5: 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: My co-host Oliver is a 7-pound chihuahua cross and he sits through all my shows with great puppy patience. He was super happy when I came home with Carbona Pet Stain and Odor Remover, which is an oxy-powered formula with active foam technology and is engineered to permanently remove pet stains and odor. Carbona is a household brand that has turned their decades of cleaning expertise into products that get the job done fully, quickly, and easily. Although he tries his best, Oliver sometimes does have accidents. I pulled out the Carbona Pet Cleaner and voila, we were stain-free and clean. It was easy to use, pet-safe, and hassle-free. The built-in two-in-one brush top tackles stains at the surface and deep into the carpet fibers. It is now my other best friend. Use code FTTC at Carbona.com to save 20%. Happy cleaning, Hi everybody, welcome back. Today we're talking with Amy Block. Um, so Amy, you know, you were discussing when you're uh, before the break, your daughter's teacher was leaving, and you know, her her reaction was different than other people. And I think the word that that most people um, would use is anxiety of what would have what you were expecting to happen from your daughter. She would mm-hmm. be anxious over over her future and, and the teacher yeah. that she would have after and how that would go. And you know, it, obviously like. I, I can analyze everything that I would think that she would think, and you were probably doing the same thing. And her response was so different. And I think it's a, a very rare response in in the way our world is. Most people are experiencing high anxiety. So, how do you help people to 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 be more like Emily?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. and Really relevant to my practice. Um, when we talk about anxiety. We're really talking about it in two different ways. One is just normal, natural anxiety that can be extremely adaptive. Um, you know, if we're anxious about an exam, um, the anxiety hopefully motivates us to study and to prepare, um, and that's normal anxiety, and no one wants to have no anxiety. Um, but then there's the anxiety that becomes more debilitating, and that's the anxiety that kind of paralyzes us. It's the overwhelming anxiety so that you have a test and you're anxious, but you're so anxious that you procrastinate, that your thoughts are scrambled, that you have severe performance anxiety that becomes debilitating. And since I am a psychiatrist, I see patients across the spectrum and, you know, there can be a real physiological basis to anxiety, and that's brain-based um, anxiety, and sometimes there is a need for medication in those instances, and that's what I evaluate as well. But in terms of patients coming in who are not having that paraly- paralyzing kind of anxiety, I really find that every single patient I meet, every single friend I have, um, is struggling with anxiety, and I really think that that's where the brain resets to. Um, it's the natural reset for the brain for us to be really anxious about life, um, and that's because brain is designed to feel fear. So we're not just anxious about um, something that we should be anxious about, but we're, but brain overreaches, so that we're anxious about even things we want to happen. So we might be anxious about, you know, doing, um, uh, doing uh, a talk that we really want to do, but it just makes us, it, we're, we're anxious about failing, we're anxious about being rejected, we're anxious about change, we're anxious about getting up in the morning, um, And this is just the brain's natural reset, and I didn't really have a way to kind of explain that in my practice until I started to understand how most of us live without heart, and heart is the antidote to this kind of fear. Um, Heart allows us to see the future as, instead of fearful, as possible, as new, as neutral, Um, and for us to know that we can handle things that happen. Um, brain, and, and in fact, psychologists talk in brain about cognitive distortions, um, that when the brain is anxious, brain will see things in incorrect ways. And the two ways that brain sees things incorrectly are, one, that we overestimate the danger. So imagine we're going to a party and... We overestimate the possibility that no one will talk to us, that we'll have nothing to say, that will sound stupid. And we underestimate, which probably won't happen, and we underestimate our ability to handle that. In other words, okay, if I say something stupid, I can I can handle it. I'll be okay. Um, and that's the brain on anxiety, and that's the natural reset to the brain. But heart is more about... Okay, so I make a mistake. That's fine. People will understand. Um, Maybe I'll have an interesting conversation. Maybe this will be fun. Um, And once you tap into how heart sees things, you can go after what you want instead of just being really scared.
1: Well, I, I really liked what you said when the brain is anxious, it will see things in incorrect ways. Cause I think we've, we've all been there and we've all watched other people be there as well, where we're catastrophizing a situation. Yeah. You know, you know, the example that you gave or, you know, we had a storm the other day and we could sit there and go, well, if I go out on the road, I'll probably have an accident and I'll go into the ditch. And, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of conversations were happening. Um, and, and of course, it didn't happen to everybody, and a lot of people were safe when they were driving, and and that that I think is something that that is very very common, and and I I feel like um it's getting away from people more than it used to, that that anxiety and and that way of thinking and catastrophizing um it, it just seems to be the norm now, um, more yes. than it used to be.
2: Yes, and I think that's because we tend to. You know, when we when I talk to people who are very brainy, um, they just see what heart says in a kind of woo-woo way, like, oh, God, that's just so stupid. I'm just not that spiritual. Um, and that's not really what heart's about. Um, heart isn't just about kind of gloopy love and unicorns and rainbows. Um, heart is about strength. And and we know that because we use heart in our language. Like how often we say, you know, put your heart into it. Or I know in my heart. You know, basically what we're saying there are these aspects to heart that we know are there but we tend to ignore. Like put your heart into it. That means put all of your strength into it. Put your whole self into it. And we're supposed to. We're supposed to do things with heart so that we can do them wholly, fully, effectively. And when we say, I know in my heart, I mean, that is such a big one for me because I ask patients, what do you know in your heart? Um, And by that I mean, you know, really get to the truth. What is the truth? What do you know in your heart? Um, When we say, I've had a change of heart, that also means, you know, something profound has changed within me. Um, So, these are all incredibly valuable aspects to heart.
1: So, when we're um, living our normal lives and and realizing that we are in our heads and our brains, what um, sorts of things can we do? I guess first to, uh, not everybody can recognize that. So, what do we do first to recognize that this is happening? Right. Uh, And that's
2: really where it's very important to start because... When I work with patients around um, tapping more effectively into heart and into these heart abilities, um, which are our superpowers, too, not just Emily's, um, the the first thing is, are you motivated? You know, if, if you want to tap into heart, you have to want to. And I have found with patients that often they're just kind of fed up with living in brain' they 're tired of living with a lack of love they 're tired of the hard, of the far reaching effects of no love in their life of emptiness numbness indifference, irritation, lack of energy and, and loneliness I mean living without love is is really lonely but i don 't just mean the love that you get from a romantic relationship I mean loving blank loving your work um, Loving nature, um, loving how the, the coffee you 're drinking, you know just that state of being um, people want more of that um, my motivation for my motivation every day for tapping into heart is that you know if i don 't i 'm basically getting out of bed exhausted, um, you know I just without love i 'm just kind of going through the motions and So for me, I like to say to myself in the morning, um, in my mind, and I use affirmations in the book, too. There are lots of strategies in the book. But to tap into heart, personally, I say, let heart be a soothing presence in my mind. And that helps me to connect with peace that heart offers me. Um, It's a soothing presence for me so that I can go through the day without so much stress and drain. Um, And so what I do is I kind of teach patients affirmations to tap into this fabulous resource we have within ourselves.
1: Um, Well, this, I mean, it sounds like something that that we all... um, need, obviously, okay. you know, just, um, going about a day, a day, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to when I started doing this radio show, I actually still have a lot of, um, uh, social anxiety and speaking in front of people and, and you know I, I just saw it as something that, that I needed to do as a calling to share information to people and I probably spent the first 30 shows being really anxious because of course I was overthinking what could happen and go wrong and and um, I don't do that anymore <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure I've had some things go wrong but it, it doesn't bother me anymore and I, and I don't think it should always have to be about that repetition of a situation either I think it would be um, nice to go about um, just showing up and having not to have to have that anxiety ahead of time.
2: Yes, and um, a lot of people have performance anxiety. It's really common and it's understandable when you know you're talking to so many people out there. Um, but what I have found is how tapping into heart specifically for performance anxiety is incredibly effective. Um, and because when there's performance anxiety, we're usually afraid we're going to be mortified, we're going to be embarrassed, we're going to make a mistake. Um, and that's brain. Um, but heart has other priorities. Heart is about how can I be of help to people? If there's one person who is helped by this radio show today, then, I ha- then I'm satisfied. So that when I, when personally, when I do radio shows, instead of thinking about, oh, you know, how do, how am I coming across wanting, wanting approval, which is very brainy, I shift into more of a heart priority, which is I want to offer something to someone. And once I get into this kind of helping mode, I feel far less anxious.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Is is that um, what Emily is like? Is she always just trying to help people?
2: Emily really has fun helping people. Emily, Emily's calling, and and this is just Emily. I mean, we all have different you know different preferences, but Emily's calling is to be a carer. Um, she loves to care for pets. We have uh, four pets in the house, and she is extremely meticulous and responsible about feeding the pets about playing with them, about caring for them. She also is such a great worker in the house, um, and she loves to do chores that are so helpful to me, and she knows it, like she does. She empties the dishwasher, she sets the table, she cooks. um, And then there's this kind of... She likes to just be helpful. It's fun for her, and it's not she never had any kind of religious education or moral education this is just something emily gets a kick out of
1: um, Wait, and i yeah well i just think that, that that's really interesting cuz you're you're trying to you know be more like her and get out of your head and i know yeah. when when that that came up when i was a kid having to do my chores it wasn't about whether this would help my parents it was about the fact that i didn't want to do them or that i wanted <laughs> my my allowance yes. for them Right. So, yeah. so to think about other people as your motivation. Um, if we did more of this in the world, I think we'd have a happier place. We'd have less road rage and less, you know, people yelling at each other and less of these arguments about sometimes menial things that we do have that set us down a road of having a really bad day. And and I, I think a lot of if- resentment. A lot of resentments, yeah, over little things, you know. And, and sometimes they're not even the important issue that we're getting upset about. And, and you know, just to go, okay, I'm just going to do this because it will make my mom happy, you know, is, or whoever is near me um, can change a relationship with that person as well when you just start doing those little things.
2: It does, and it becomes kind of a, a kind of perpetuating thing. Um, but, I, you know, just in the small instances that we have of, you know, say Christmas or Hanukkah, where we're choosing gifts for people, and for me anyway, it's really fun seeing people I care about open those gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's a rush, and it's really fun. And so we have these little microscopic experiences, you know, one or two days a year, where we feel that joy from giving um, and that's because it's it's a heart moment you know but we can have those moments more and they're they're good for for the person who's giving and, and, and that's Emily I mean she she gets a kick out of giving that when she gives to someone else she doesn't have less she has more um, but brain is really into
3: measurements
2: and math so that for brain when you give something away, you have less. Um, But heart is, you know, really non-mathematical and non-transactional so that when you give something to someone, you have more. Um, it's illogical to the brain.
1: Yeah, and you're not expecting anything back. You're not going, well, I gave you a gift, so I want a gift. You're just like, this is making you happy. I'm going to do this for you. Right. And it goes in
2: the reverse, too, so that when someone gives you a gift, in brain, you might feel indebted. You know, Mm -hmm. again, it's it's the kind of um, balancing, it's symmetry. Now I owe you something, where in heart it's just oh, thank you, this feels wonderful. There's just gratitude. There's no debt.
1: Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, We're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Amy Block, and we're discussing her book, The Power of Heart. We'll be back shortly.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
4: You don't have to live with chronic health conditions, disease, or general discomfort. There are strategies that you can apply to improve the outcome of your personal health. Tune in to Tom Mantos, Speaking of Nutrition, with host Tom Mantos and co-host Fred Bornicola. Each week, we'll cover some of the most asked-about health concerns and what you can do today to enjoy better health tomorrow. From diabetes to heart health, cancer to children's health, we have you covered. Check out new episodes weekly on Voice America Health & Wellness.
5: Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent
6: when a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson, breast cancer survivor and advocate. She helps by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time, on the Voice of America Health and Wellness Channel.
5: 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today we're talking with Amy Block, and we're discussing her book, The Power of Heart. So, um, Amy, uh, can you give us a, an example of just a really difficult situation that somebody would deal with where maybe anxiety would take over, but instead they're, um, you know, trying to to go with their heart and using some of these tools?
2: Sure. Um, I work a lot um, with women and men who want a transition in their lives. Um, as an example, I might um, see a lawyer who is, you know, in her mid-50s and has been practicing law for 20, 30 years um, and has come to a point where she isn't feeling passionate about it any longer. Um and she has been thinking, say, for a couple of years about making a change, um, but that change is really scary for her because well, because she's in brain, and change brain hates change because change is change means that you're gonna have to feel vulnerable, that you're gonna have to be a beginner, that you're not going to know how to do things right away. Um, And for a lawyer who's been analytical and for her successful, um, changing that and risking a sense of ignorance, naivete, um, actually having less to do can make brainy people very uncomfortable, um, was very scary for her. Also issues for brain of status, Um, brain, when we're in just brain, we tend to um, define ourselves by what we do and what we
6: achieve. Mm.
2: And so in brain, um, it's very important to have success. And once we have it, we want to keep it. And often that's impossible so that I often see people who have come in with a a kind of a, a a massive failure in some way and really struggling with their sense of themselves. Um, so that leaving an important position, um, a career or respected career can be very, very scary. And yet um, she really wanted to, and many people keep coming in saying, I've got to do this. I'm just petrified. Um, and, so that's where heart can really be invaluable, to tap into heart. And what heart allows is for you to see yourself as separate from what you do. So that even though you may not be a lawyer anymore, um, you are still of value. Um, and it's very hard for brain to see that. Um, so that heart allows you to see yourself without condition as good and worthy and Um, valuable. Um, Heart also really helps you take that dive into the unknown um, for reasons we spoke about, that this is new, this is neutral, Mm -hmm. it's not bad. Um, And heart also helps you know the truth about you Um, in brain. We literally have what Anna Freud called defense mechanisms that um, protect us from the truth So that denial, you know, when someone says, I'm fine, when they're not. And that's what, you know, this lawyer was doing, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine to stay, I'm fine to stay, but she really wasn't. So heart, and that's where I know in my heart, heart allows you to see the truth no matter how inconvenient it is, but that truth is so important because it will guide you to a place where you'll feel more fulfilled, happier, even if that transition is difficult, so heart has these abilities to see the truth, to see yourself separate from what you're doing, to give you the strength to move forward, even when you're scared. Um, that is essential when you're thinking about a transition in your life.
1: Well, you know, um, what came into my mind um, is the show that I, show I've i actually done shows on both what's happening with our boys and girls and the pressure is different on them. But I was thinking mostly about the girls cause I was relating to, to this um, where the pressure is to be the all and the everything and, you know, have the career, have the education, um, volunteer, have a family, be perfect at all of it and, right. and, you know, get married and have kids and and do it all. Um, but but then the the stress and the pressure on everybody to to have it all when perhaps they don't even want it all um, uh-huh. it, it uh-huh. is huge and we're not listening yeah. to to what's going on inside of us when we make those decisions we're listening to the outside okay. voices to everyone yeah. else and and yeah. this is what's you know, putting that pressure on on our children today, and probably are all of us really, um, is to look on the outside like you have it all, when in fact you you may not want it or you can't do it all.
2: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that, you know, brain is very much into the shoulds. You know, I should, if I if I can have it all, I should want it all. Um, and heart gets you beyond that, but actually, do you? Heart is really irreverent, and it questions everything, especially cultural norms, Um, so that in my work with patients, the, the goal is to get them to see their own truth. Maybe they don't want, even if they could go to medical school, maybe they don't want to. Maybe they don't want to have a family and a career. You know, maybe it's fine to stay at home. Um, and to be able to kind of get to that truth and then to actually act on it mm-hmm. is a hard based ability.
1: Well and I I think it's also really hard when the vo- the outside voices other people society are telling you that you should be doing something else than what you wanna actually do um you know yeah. that should right you should go to school you should be involved you should get better grades you you should get married you should have that family you should buy the house and get the two cars and have the 2.5 kids and the dog and and that should 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 is stopping us from listening to to what our heart is actually telling us that we really, really want and to follow that instead.
2: Absolutely. And it's a process. And I see those changes ap- across a person's life. Like a person may follow the shoulds for, you know, 20 years of their life and then something happens where they realize they're, they're climbing the wrong ladder um, and they decide... Out of insight, out of inner insight, uh, this is making me miserable. Or I have something else. I just, you know, discovered a new calling that I really want to pursue. Um, And that is a heart-based insight. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and and especially if if what you're pursuing is... Leaving what you have or not going to medical school or, or leaving a law practice and, and pursuing something completely different or just being out on your own. Those are scary, scary things to do because they also will impact the rest of your life. So then you can have in your head, but what if it doesn't work out? You know, then we got the what ifs instead of the shoulds, right? And, and we're, yeah. And often, um, I find in my life, if I have the shoulds and the what-ifs, I'm not as successful than if I just believe that the process will work out. And I just, you know, trust that and believe it and follow it. And, and, you know, I'm not in my head as much, (laughs) as you're saying. And that's another, Um, that's right, you're not in, you realize
2: that, that you're not in your head. But that's another huge ability of heart, which is trust, which Mm -hmm. is faith. Um, and not just in the religious sense, but in the, you know, just to be open to each thing kind of evolving as it will, allowing it, um, is, is this kind of trust and strength.
1: And, and so how can we go from the what-ifs and the shoulds and the, the brain thoughts and the anxiety to to letting go of all of that and trusting that what we're doing is the right thing?
2: By kind of tapping into, first of all, establishing, okay, right now I'm in brain. And what specifically am I afraid of? Um, Is it I'm afraid of failing? Is it I'm afraid of um, being alone? You know, what is it I'm afraid of? To identify those fears, to look at how just how rational they are or irrational. And then to tap into... Heart, which is which, kind of changes the fear into. I want to do this because I want. I, uh, because I'm curious. You know, heart is curious. Heart is interested. Um, heart is open to possibility. Heart wants a life that's interesting, rather than a life that's protected. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I make my life more interesting? Um, and that may come with risk, but heart prioritizes learning curiosity over being safe
1: and so do you find that that this is what Emily is like is Is she curious about things and and does she trust the process of what 's going to happen
2: definitely she's i mean I consider Emily uh the true intellectual in our family <laughs> because <laughs> She's so willing to be wrong, and she's so interested in learning something new. Um, I, we were taking a walk the other day, and it was, it was um, raining out. It was drizzling. And she looked at me, and she said, Mom, look, rain comes from leaves. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Okay, so I said, Emily, actually, rain comes from the sky, not from leaves and she thought about it she said oh wow that's new <laughs> and she wasn't upset with being wrong with not with being embarrassed she's so open to wonder and learning something new and that's a true intellectual
1: Well, well, you know, and and you gave an example when she she wanted a job, this is in your book, she wanted a job at a daycare, um, but she had to know how to chop vegetables and she hadn't done that at that point. And I think you said it took her three months and, you know, and I think somebody who's more in their head would have given up way before she did, you know, they would have gone, you know what, I can't get this, I can't learn, you know, all those things I think we're all very, very familiar with, this isn't going to work, I can't do this. I, I'm not good at it. And and she actually mm-hmm. achieved that endpoint and got the job that she wanted after much trial and error. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, that's because she put her heart into it.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Meaning
2: that she was really, really determined and dedicated to get to a place where she could get that job. It was really important to her. And she was willing to, you know get bloody (laughs) literally um for the sake of getting that job to work with the kids
1: yeah Um, which is amazing so she oh
2: yeah
1: yeah she wanted something and she followed her heart because it was probably her heart telling her this is the perfect place for you and she didn't get in her head every time she made a mistake when she was learning and then she got the job which is amazing Mm yeah we all have that capacity Yeah. Um, So is there um, any way that people can get a hold of you or your book if they have any questions? Definitely. I have a
2: website. It's Dr. Amy Block, and my last name is B-L-O-C-H. And so you can go either. I have blogs on there. I have um, different um, sites on there that you can go to that relate to heart. And then my, my book was released on Tuesday, and it's being sold on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, and the indie.com site.
1: Well, perfect. Um, I want to thank you for joining me today. Um, it was a really informative show, and I think something that we all need to hear. Thank you so much for having me. And um, if anybody listening wants more information about my story or my journey back to health, you can find that on my website at dr-risk.com. Feel free to um, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or send me an email at anantacalgary at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day.